Taxpayers provide upwards of $30 billion for medical research in the U.S. each year. How much trickles down to help patients who have disease right now? You're listening to ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing current therapies for new uses. And my guest is Dr. Richard J. Boxer, Chief Science Officer of Van Serta, Inc., and Clinical Professor of Surgery and Urology at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and Clinical Professor of both Family and Community Medicine and Health Policy at the Medical College of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. Dr. Boxer and I are discussing the American Center for Cures. Dr. Boxer, welcome to ReachMD. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here, and I look forward to a good discussion. So what is the American Center for Cures, and why did you come up with this concept? Well, the American Center for Cures is a new facility that will be within the National Institutes of Health that will focus on translating research and applying research that has already been discovered and new research that we will discover to the patient rather than just focusing on curiosity-driven or basic science so that we want to use the research and discoveries that have already occurred to make the patient healthier and, in fact, either make a diagnosis early or cause the the patient to be cured of his or her disease. So what's working and not working in the research marketplace right now? Well, what is working is that there's an astounding amount of new information that is being created by the funding through the NIH or through the research at the NIH and, of course, at universities around the country and, indeed, around the world. There is so much knowledge that's being created and so much information that is available, but there is really not a place, certainly within the National Institutes of Health, where all these pieces of the puzzle which are being discovered are actually being put together. And so what is really good about the research is that we're learning so much about down to the cellular level and, and beyond the cellular level into the DNA, the genome, but we need to use that information to make patients healthier, or better yet, cured, and even the best would be preventing the disease altogether. Because unfortunately, as much as there has been discovered, there has really been no consistent cure for any disease in the past 50 years other than an infectious disease. There's a few genetic diseases that have been improved through better discovery or through using metabolic changes in the diet, but for the most part, we have not really made a huge impact. In fact, One of the more chilling statistics is that the number of cancer patients in the United States by population is the same today as in 1950. So doesn't the pharmaceutical industry and its uh, shareholder-driven mentality pick up those pieces and drive the cures that are available? We have an amazing thing that's in the United States, and that is the pharmaceutical industry. It really is a gem, but it is, for every good reason, profit-driven, and Because of that, the pharmaceutical industry has to create drugs that will sell and will sell a lot. In fact, unless a drug sells a billion dollars a year, it's not even considered a success because of the expense that it takes in order to bring it to market. And so what happens is that the pharmaceutical industry creates me-too drugs. In other words, if there's a Viagra, someone wants to produce a Cialis. If there's a high blood pressure pill that is a new pill, then another company wants to identify an exact same compound or damn close and then make that drug available and purport that it's better than the other guy. And so in order to create enough monies for further research, for further Me Too drugs, unfortunately, that's the process. Whereas 
What we need is we need research that will actually prevent diseases and cure diseases. I'm not perverse to say that pharmaceutical companies don't want to cure diseases. I think they would like to. The problem is that the amount of creative energy taken and the amount of money it would take in order to bring it to market may not be within their best interest to their bottom line. So what would be different about the way the American Center for Cures would be set up that would pick up that uh, slack from the industry? Well, there's several aspects of the American Center for Cures which are different. And first of all, the American Center for Cures, we want to be a public-private partnership. We need the long-term commitment of the government, but the genius of the private sector and um, and speed of of discovery of the private sector in order to make it work. I mean, a good example of this is when the NIH decided that it was going to have a human genome project, and the human genome project was going to describe the entire human genome, of course. And it was thought that by the NIH that it would take seven or ten years to do this. Craig Ventner in private industry said, I can do it in in three or four years or less. And before long, the the two got together, and the human genome was discovered and uh, described in just a few years because the commitment of the federal government and the genius of private industry got together. For the American Center for Cures, what we believe should happen is that there should be a cures council. That is, great American entrepreneurs and creative people within the United States, plus Nobel laureates and scientists from federal agencies, will get together and and decide three or four diseases which will be focused upon. So let's just say, and I'm not saying that, that these are the diseases, but let's just say that they chose juvenile diabetes, Alzheimer's, schizophrenia, depression. There's a few diseases they're going to focus upon. And these diseases, once again, not necessarily those, but these diseases chosen by the Cures Council will probably be chosen by virtue of their impact upon Americans or possibly humanity in general and uh, the likelihood of cure. And so these particular diseases will then be focused upon and researchers around the world will be asked to answer specific questions about specific diseases so that we can get to the cure or prevention even faster. There will also be a portion of the American Center for Cures, what we're calling the Health Advanced Research Projects Agency, the HARPA we're calling it. It's very similar to an extraordinarily successful research agency in the Defense Department called DARPA. DARPA really did invent or create the Internet, and DARPA did uh, do an enormous number of um, new technologies, and that was because it was a high-risk, high-opportunity research facility. And we believe that that's the kind of thing that should go on in health research as well. And finally, there will be an area within the American Center for Cures that will promote uh, the efforts of small and medium-sized biotechnology and bioengineering firms to bring their products to the public. It will be a separate funding mechanism so that the research and development will no longer um, die, so to speak, because of the lack of funding. If something looks particularly good, then um, it will get funded through the federal government. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I'm speaking with Dr. Rick Boxer of the Medical College of Wisconsin about the American Center for Cures. So how much will all this cost? Well, I can tell you that whatever it costs, if we're successful, it'll pale in comparison to the benefits. And having said that, when the bill was introduced into the United States Senate about a year or so ago, the chairman of appropriations, Thad Cochran, a senator from Mississippi, suggested $8 billion a year. That's a lot of money, but it's only about a fourth of what is spent by the National Institutes of Health. Nonetheless, the $8 billion will be quickly distributed to various researchers around the world and will be able to be given to the people to answer specific questions. So 
you know, if we're successful, I think the community, the, the public will demand multiples of that. But right now, we're starting out at around 5 to $8 billion per year. Who will own all the discoveries that are made with the American Center for Cures? The American Center for Cures will license the discoveries so that the American people will ultimately have to pay but a small amount of money relative to the amount of benefit received. In other words, although we'll license it to pharmaceutical companies, because they have a distribution mechanism, we want that the licensing fees to be reasonable, to go right back to research within the American Center for Cures, but still allow for some profit for the pharmaceutical companies to um, be able to distribute it throughout the country or world. Why will the drugs be cheaper if they're developed by the American Center for Cures than they would be if they were developed by pharmaceutical companies? Well, the basic research will be performed through the generosity of the American people. So therefore, it's already been paid for. And in fact, you can make a very strong argument that that should go on right now with a lot of the compounds that are being created by the NIH. And and those compounds are then ultimately getting into the hands of pharmaceutical companies and they are subsequently distributed them. So I think that for compound cures that are created within the public domain, that is through the American Center for Cures or even the NIH, should be given to the American public at a much reduced price compared to the drugs that are created by the pharmaceutical companies research themselves. Have there been other places in science that have been successful using a similar approach to the American Center for Cures? Well, yes. A little bit earlier, I mentioned the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, the DARPA, which has been going on for about 20 years, and we modeled a portion of our American Center for Cures after it. DARPA really has invented the Internet and really has invented enormous, successful, and important discoveries are you being used almost every day or certainly within the Defense Department. And so there has been a good model for this first parts of this happening. Also, we've taken pieces of successful programs within the federal government to apply it to the American Center for Cures. And w- one area you could say that, um, that there's a, some similarity and some differences, but the moonshot, for example, where uh, President Kennedy in 1962 at Baylor University said that he wanted to bring a man to the moon and return him safely again within a decade, and he mobilized scientists from around the country to accomplish that amazing feat. And quite frankly, when we split the atom for the nuclear weapon, the, um, the same thing happened. People from around the country were gathered to focus their energy upon a particular problem. And if Congress passed this legislation today, when would we begin to see the results? The first thing would happen, of course, is to be organizational, to try to get the scientists together. We'd have to choose a site or a variety of sites because there may be multiple centers of excellence. We don't want to put money into bricks and mortar. There's plenty of places that are already existing that have overcapacity. Let's say maybe there'll be a university or two or three or four around the country that have overcapacity and we could borrow, so to speak, that facility to have a center of excellence for a particular disease. I would guess that this the facility will be at one major city or another, for example, maybe in San Francisco or New York or Washington or or some major city, because that's where the scientists will want to live or are presently living. So there's a certain amount of practicality that has to be done. But I would say that, the, that we've already said, actually, that, that if we don't find a cure in 10 years, fire us. In fact, that actually brings up a very important point, and that is that within science, there really are no people that are truly accountable or responsible for particular disease cures. So, for example, is there anybody that is in charge of, let's say, curing juvenile diabetes? Would someone get fired if, if actually juvenile diabetes does not get cured within the next few years? No. What happens is that 
more money is poured into it rather than accountability and responsibility. And so one of the things about the American Center for Cures is that we believe there should be um, an individual at a center of excellence who is responsible for getting the job done, just like it would be in an industry, for example. If something is not done, somebody is replaced. In 2006, the U.S. government and industry spent over $60 billion on medical research, and yet only 23 new drugs were approved by the FDA, and none of them had a huge impact on any patient population. Is there something we could do to rework government priorities and reward systems to get better treatments and cures to patients faster and more economically? I want to thank my guest, Dr. Rick Boxer, for helping us take a look at these provocative questions. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that repurposes existing treatment for new uses. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.